checked in with you in a while about like your writing and stuff like that what are you working on right now um so I'm working on one redacted thing which I actually <laughs> just got my deadlines for today so Ooh, exciting. technically on deadline again um so that's one one thing um and then I'm working on witchlings which is my like Yay. middle grade um, misfit witch fantasy, which I'm having so much fun with. One. Yeah. And, um, I've been working on that. I'm really close to the 15,000 word mark on that one. Ooh. Um, I'm actually just doing a sample for right now, doing a hundred pages. So trying to get okay. to 25 K by like the end of this month. Um, All right. and once I finish that and hit my first deadline for redacted then <laughs> I'm gonna jump into my YA which um some people on Twitter know about I've been calling it witch birds and now um mm-hmm. crime burbs um <laughs> but I my favorite yeah but I I'm sort of switched up a little bit of like the format and the sort of overall I mean the overall arc of the story is like the same the plot but it has an added component now but I'm just trying not to talk about it because I promised myself I love sharing what I'm working on with people. But there comes a point where it does put a little bit of pressure on you. And like if something that you've been talking about doesn't sell, it sort of hurts. It feels like it hurts more because you already have like people who are excited about it. Um, mm. So it almost feels like you're letting people down. And I want to... I'm never going to be someone who doesn't talk about what I'm writing because it's part of the process for me and it's really fun for me and it keeps me motivated. But I think I do have to be a little bit more careful with how I do it. Um, So for this particular story, especially because I feel like the, the hook is so hooky that I really want to take my time with how I share the information about, um, about it. So I'm waiting until I am done drafting the book to talk about the actual plot of it and sort of, like, my comps and everything like that. Um, Yeah. Which is motivating me to want to work on it, but also is, like, I I do not possess patience (laughs) for, (laughs) for this kind of stuff. Because part of, like... We've talked about this before with, like, saying, like, I have a secret thing or, like, oversharing on Twitter. Part of it is, like, mm-hmm. we're we're forced to wait so long for so many things that, like, the things that we can sort of, like, have in our power to share are so much fun. Because it's, like, okay, well, I can't announce this thing or I can't talk about this thing, but I can talk about this thing and, like, see everybody get excited. Um, and it sort of fills in the gaps of those, like, months or years of waiting for stuff. And for me, it 
sort of replenishes my enthusiasm for working on something. But I'm trying to play it differently this time and like do the opposite of what I usually do, which is like, this is what the book is about. Here's my aesthetic. This is who I fan casted for every single character. Um, <laughs> which, to be quite honest with you, is I think part of the reason why I built a following. Um, which is good because it means that the people who follow me like my concepts. But as a mental health precaution, um, I'm going to pull back a little bit, just like to to wait and be a little more strategic about it, if that makes any sense at all. It does. And honestly, I do think, like, not to be like, oh, once you get to where we are, like, you'll think differently. Oh, please. But it is, yeah. But it it is, it's true. It's true, like, in the, just in the sense that, like, um, it's really hard to start off in this industry because it's, it takes a while to get used to how it works Mm -hmm. and it takes a while to kind of like build up your, like, for lack of a better word, like coping mechanisms for the fact that it's like you wait, 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 wait forever. And then all of a sudden everything happens so quickly together that you almost can't take the time to enjoy it. And so even when good stuff does happen to you, you're so overwhelmed that like, you're not... (laughs) It's, it's just like a lot. Yeah. So, um, I think that, I think that, you know, like, and every time like an author is like, okay, well at this point, like, I really believe that this works best for me. Like, it's not just us like being like, like, oh, we're like so established. It's, it's more like us being like, like, this is what worked for me. Like maybe Mm -hmm. it could work for somebody else. Like, that's why we talk about it. That's why we have the podcast. Um, so it's less of being like. Like, oh, I've, it's less, what am I even trying to say here? I think what I'm mostly trying to say is like, like, I know we use these words of like, once you get to a certain point, like, but it is really, really true. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I never really thought about it in that way in terms of like, it's because I have like a book deal or anything like that. For me, it's mostly because I like what I said, like, I, I don't want to put more undue pressure on myself, you know, because mm-hmm. I already feel pressure for like various reasons, which we will talk about someday um, on my episode someday. Um, but I don't, it was like when we did DV Pit, right? Because like yeah. when we did DV Pit, it was really fun and it was awesome to get like all that support. But then it was always like, who are you going to sign with? Did you get an agent? Did you get a book deal? And it was like this, both people asking and both our own like insecurities of like thinking like people are probably wondering why we don't have this or that because everything was so public. Um, so if I start talking about, an idea and then it doesn't manifest in anything in like a timely fashion or whatever or at all um it it almost feels like a bigger blow because I feel like it wasn't my private sort of failure but it was a failure that like everybody can um infer by the fact that I never announced a book do you know what I mean um and maybe I shouldn't worry so much about that but I'm human and 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 it's not really even like a negative thing in terms of like people being like oh she didn't sell her book which I'm sure there's like a couple of jerks who think that and I really don't care about their opinion but it's more so like the people who are excited about it or people who are in the community and I just really hate being talked about um in like Mm -hmm. in like gossipy ways it just 
I just really don't like it. Like, I'd much rather somebody come up to me and be like, hey, you suck. <laughs> and I'll be like, all right, <laughs> cool. Um, then, like, people, like, just, like, discussing me or, like, my career or, like, whatever um, in, in, like, in, like, mean ways, you know. It's yeah. something I got to work on. <laughs> I shouldn't care about that, but I'm, I'm soft, so. But it makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so I'm keeping, that turned into a very long answer. I'm keeping everything a little bit closer to the chest for now. I did promise myself that once I, um, once I got to the 100 page mark in that work in progress, if I still really wanted to share a aesthetic or a little bit more info then I would be able to but mm-hmm. I want to put in the groundwork of being like deep in the world and writing an outline and like being solidly in the the work in progress because right now there's only about 6,000 words um and I don't I just don't want I want to sort of savor this book for myself because nobody's waiting for it you know um yeah it's just for me for right now. And I just want to have fun with it. Um, because the past year has been really challenging for me, both personally and with publishing stuff. So I feel like I, I deserve this. (laughs) (laughs) No. And also I do think that, you know, once we're in it to like, there is like stuff that we actually aren't necessarily supposed to talk about just because like, when negotiations are happening or when, like, you know, people are considering a, a, wor- a piece of work, like, they want, they, they don't want us to, like, they want to be able to buy it and then they kind of, like, art decide how we talk about it as the author or, like, when we announce or when we explain, like, how it came to be. So I think that that's a consideration that we have to take into account now in yeah. this point that we didn't have to before, Um before it was just us, we were our own team. Like we were our only cheerleaders, like yeah. us talking about our work as we tried to get agents and yeah. like debut. But yeah, cause I mean, honestly, I am not sure how much I'm supposed to talk about for book two. Like right. I never worried about it for, you know, Wicked Fox. And then now like book two is written. I know what it's about, but I don't know how much I'm supposed to tell people. Right. And yeah. Yeah. There's like points where people are, where, I'm like, oh, I want to do the One Line Wednesday this week because it's a cool thing. And then I think, am I allowed to do that? I'm not sure. Yeah. Like, there's just, yeah. I mean, so. Well, because it's a book under contract. That's different. You know what yeah. I mean? I feel like, mm-hmm. and, and that's sort of what I mean. Like, there's a difference between you writing a book that someone is waiting for um, and sharing mm-hmm. stuff about it versus you writing a book that you have no idea what's going to happen with it and, like, it's not sold and you haven't gone on sub and you're just sort of writing it to see what happens. I think yeah, they're two different, two completely different things. Um, but what's what else has been going on with you besides writing book two? Um, yeah, so I finished book two, I turned that into my editor. That was a wonderful moment. It was, (laughs) and it was like one of those things where like it's, if I told the story, like it would sound fake. It was pretty much like it was due, it was overdue and I was stressing myself out and I really wanted to send it before I went away to like this like book event. And then I was like, you know, furiously typing like, 
typing at home, typing in the airport, typing on the airplane. I got to the hotel and I immediately like, um, was like texting with one of our friends who's also a writer and, um, he was already there and he's like, come to the coffee shop. I'm also writing. So I went and I wrote immediately and then stayed up until like three o'clock in the morning and I finished it. And in triumph, I like send it, sent it to my editor and then, you know, fell asleep and had to do a whole entire book event the next day. (laughs) The glamorous life of an author. Like, it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but that was literally like (laughs) a period of 36 hours for me. But it was, I don't know, it made it feel really like a, like a big accomplishment because I really didn't think I was going to finish it. I, I like had resigned myself at the point where like I got on the airplane. I was like, there's no way I'm going to finish this tonight. And then I was struck with um, inspiration, which is nice, actually. I think like I think that um, it's been like hard going only because it's I haven't had the chance to just purely sit at my desk and write for like I would say the last 90 days because of promo and stuff. Um it's interesting because I, I do think that people are very open and candid about the fact that writing is a whole second job. Mm. Like you have your day job or whatever. And then if you want to be an author getting, you know, writing your book and revising it and everything, that's a whole job. Just the it sitting is. in front of a computer. It really is. And, but the promo for a book that's about to come out or has just come out is a third job. Yeah. And it's really hard to, um, to do time management with that because you, it's almost like you feel guilty. You're like, I'm literally, what am I doing? I'm tweeting all day or I'm, you know, just talking to people all day and like making little cutesy videos or graphics and things like that. Like I should get back to the writing, but the promo in this day and age is like a big part of it. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a thing that I think people should take into account when they're looking for to do this kind of a career, going down this path, um, and just, like, make time for it. Like, like just know that you're going to have to make time for it. Um, it's not always going to be organized by your publisher either. Sometimes you have to do it yourself, and you have to take initiative yourself, um, and that takes a lot of time. So it's just good to be aware that it's going to happen. Yeah, um, actually, yeah. someone, um, shoot, and I don't remember who it was, and I feel bad just sort of, like, talking about um, this person's thread. I'll look for it on Twitter as I chat now, but someone brought it up on Twitter today um, in terms of how you write when you, like, full-time when you have a full-time job. Like, how do you stay consistent in your writing when you have a full-time job? And it made me really sad because the majority of the responses were like, I just ignore everyone in my life, basically. And I just focus on writing and I just let myself burn out or whatever. And, you know, I am. Oh, okay. Um, The person who said it is uh, Tasha Siri. Um, And Tasha is an author. Their book, Empire of Sand and Realm of Ash, um, is coming out this year. Did Realm of Ash already come out? Or I don't know. Anyway, Tasha is an author. And Tasha asked, um, genuine question, how do you write around a full-time job? And a lot of people were like, I write during my lunch break or um, I write early in the mornings. 
um, a lot of people were like, I don't have a social life. And, um, you know, some people were saying that like burnout is part of it. And I just want to quickly say like, for me, I did definitely do that in the beginning. I didn't, I was like, this is temporary. So I'm just going to write, write, write until I get like a book deal, um, where things can like calm down a little bit. And like, that is like the most unrealistic way for you to think about it and if because first of all you never know when you're going to get a book deal and second things get more hectic when you get the book deal not less um so um I did really burn out in the beginning because I have a very like I'm a very focused person when I throw myself into a project I throw myself completely in like the world is dead to me so for a really long time I just sort of like said no to every invitation and like just stayed home and um I felt like I was fine because I love working on my writing I love working on my books so for me it was like no big deal but then I woke up one day and I was like wait a minute I'm not okay I I need to go out and see friends and like do things outside of just my books because I was putting so much pressure on just my writing and my career and I had no other like goals in my life or anything that I was looking forward to even um and at a certain point I sat back and I was like I had a whole full life before I became a writer and suddenly none of those things matter anymore and that means that I'm neglecting things that I that I care about and people that I care about um so if you are feeling tired if you feel like your gut is telling you like hey, this is a lot, you miss your friends or your friends or your family are complaining about about not getting to see you and you're not actually like on a crunch line or anything like that. You're just like sort of imposing these deadlines on yourself. Just take a step back and like take a break. (laughs) You need breaks. You need to like chill out. Like we, we don't always need to be writing and working all the time. Um, and I think that's something that's really hard to, to to learn how to do because a lot of people feel guilty when they're not working, when they're not writing. They feel like they're not um, they're not actual authors, and that's bullcrap. You know, you're still an author, you're still a writer. You just need to like take a breather. Um, and obviously, some people are juggling a lot of different projects, and they can't possibly take breaks. But um, hopefully, you're not in that situation. Um, because that's really hard to do deadlines have an expiration date right like by nature of being deadlines so it's that's not forever but if you're always jumping from deadline to deadline that you sort of make for yourself um it can get really toxic really quickly you need to sort of schedule in self-care yeah I totally agree with that and I also want to say like the thing is that you know I think especially just speaking for my skewed vision of like what the industry might look like or what an author career might look like when you're first starting out or first entering the industry, something that if I was to go back and like talk to myself back, I would probably say something like the hard work that like the hard work right now that's happening, like the things where you're like, Oh, you know, I'm like, I'm putting in all this time and putting all this effort. Like it's difficult. It's frustrating, everything like that. That does continue. It's not like, Oh, if I, if I do all this hard work now, then it's smooth sailing after X point. Like, unfortunately that's not the case. 
for nine, percent of, of writers, you know, it's not, you're not going to be like your first book really hits it big and you're living off, you're living large off royalties or like movie deals or whatever. Like if you want to be making a living off of your writing, then you have to continuously be struggling to write that next book, promote the book that's coming out soon. Uh, you know, submit, the book that you want to sell to come out like in two or three years, you have to continuously be doing that. And, you know, a lot of authors that at this point, like have a flow have been here for a while and are making like royalties and money. It's because they have enough of a backlist, but that's because they like spent 10 years building that backlist. Or Um, because they they have a spouse that, (laughs) that supports them or because they have another job. But I'm not talking about spouses. I'm literally just talking about being a writer. I'm literally talking about like if your career is being a writer, like like you, if you want to be making money off of being a writer and that's the only place you're going to make money off of, then just know that you're going to be working really hard the whole entire time you're a writer. Yeah. Like no, it's never yeah, going to be. Like, absolutely. I'm just saying from an yeah. out, outside perspective, if you're looking at authors that are writing full time, not all of those authors live off of their royalties and their author stuff even if that's what it seems like like not every author who doesn't work outside of writing is supporting themselves so there's that aspect of it too Mm -hmm. and I think a lot of people don't talk about that because they you know you want to maintain that sort of like illusion of like I am a fancy full-time writing author like buy my books everyone else is doing it um yeah I mean it's hard it's not it's, it's stressful too. I mean, like, don't discount the fact that like writing is not a regular source of income. It's, it's a stressful life. <laughs> you yeah. got to pay your own health insurance. Yeah. You don't have like guilds or unions, anything like that. Yeah. Writing is hard. And, and I feel like no one, no one should get into writing to like have it made for them. Like if that's your goal for getting into writing, if your goal is to like get in and write the next what Harry Potter and like never have to work a day in your life, then that's not writing. <laughs> that's not writing. That's like winning the freaking, you know, luck lottery of publishing. Yeah. Um, it, more often you know, than not, it, yeah, it looks like a it looks like a, a journey rather than just like a, a jackpot, right? It's not an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. It it takes a while for most people, which is the whole point of this podcast to sort of show that because it can look like it's Yep just an overnight thing when really you don't usually know everything that goes into into it yeah I mean yeah and I think like I do really appreciate social media in general because it has given us a little bit more of a view into what truly being a writer and author looks like Mm. um I, I I know there's a lot of great authors that do like insta stories or you know, blog or vlog, you know, um, author tube is a thing. It's not as huge as like other YouTube communities, but it's definitely a thing. And, um, I, I really appreciate that ability to kind of like look into a world that maybe you're new to, or you are not a part of and, um, or not a part of yet. And to see what it's like, I, I really, I know people like poof on social media a lot, but I, I do think good comes out of it, too. Oh, for sure. For sure. And I think especially because, like, um, we never know 100% like what's okay to say versus not. 
you know, like what thing that I say or share could potentially get me in trouble or make people sort of like look sideways at me um, in terms of like transparency because publishing is so secretive. So like when authors put themselves out there to sort of like share things that, you know, maybe their publisher won't be like 100% happy with or their agent is appreciated (laughs) Um, because it sort of helps the rest of us um, see the other side of things and see things that we wouldn't necessarily get to see until we were going through it, you know? Um, so it helps you learn how to handle stuff ahead of time and be prepared and sort of like know the industry a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it's not easy at all. It's really hard, but that's why you really have to love it in order to do it too. You know, if you don't really love writing and books, Um, and you get into it, then, and things don't go your way, like, things could, you know, you could get lucky, and sort of, like, get a great book deal right away, but if that doesn't happen, and you don't genuinely, um, love doing this, then it's gonna really be a struggle, even more so than it already is. Yep. (laughs) It's always a struggle, but it'll be a worse struggle. (laughs) It'll be even worse. All right, our guest today is Susan Dennard. She's the author of the Something Strange and Deadly series, as well as the New York Times bestselling Witchland series. She also hosts the super popular newsletter for writers, Misfits and Daydreamers. What's up, Susan? How are you? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, of course. We're so excited to have you on. Yeah. Um, So. Let's jump into your journey to getting your agent and sort of your first book deal. How did you get started on your first book? Just let us know everything. So I was actually telling this story earlier to an aspiring author because she was asking how I made the the leap from like writing with a job to writing full time. Mm. Um, So I've already been back in time today. Which is good, because otherwise it kind of like gets a little crusty back in there, I don't remember. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was so long ago, the age has passed. Yeah, I, um, let's see, so I, I came from science, I, my undergrad and graduate work was in the marine ecology world, and I thought that I would pursue that, um, but in a fortuitous turn of events, my then boyfriend at the time proposed to me, and he was moving to Germany. Um I decided to go with him, even though I didn't speak the language, and uh, not follow my PhD. And instead, I just started working sort of freelance for my university, like doing freelance data analysis to pay the bills. And the thing about science that I can see very clearly looking back uh, was that it was not for me. Um, Academia was not for me. Science is very, um, well, for one, working in in especially any sort of field science, you it's very male dominated, and two, it requires a certain level of willingness to argue and be confrontational, which I am not, because you're constantly <laughs> having to defend your results, right? Uh, and so you're having to defend your your uh, research design and why you why you set up something like this and the, the results that came out of that. And I am really bad at that. If somebody's like, I don't think you did this right. I'm like, Oh, you're probably right. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> me so, too. <laughs> that just like doesn't work in science. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so I, 
I kind of was already like getting, I don't want to say disillusioned, but I had found that defending my room, my results to a room full of men just really didn't work for me. That sounds so, like a nightmare, um, to be honest. Yeah, so like <laughs> I was doing this like menial freelance data analysis. This was sort of this opportunity for me to have the mental space left over at the end of the day to like work on writing. Mm-hmm. And honestly, it was never something I thought I would do as a profession. Um, mostly because I really growing up, I loved to write and I, I kind of wanted to be a writer, but at the end of the day, I didn't want to actually study craft. I just wanted to be, you know, like automatically good at it, which I was not. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't want to put the work in basically. Um, but now that I was older and had gotten like work experience under my belt, I was finally ready to put in the work to actually like learn what the heck I was doing and finish a book. And so that is essentially what I did. I spent like a year learning everything I could about craft and the industry, taking online workshops, because of course I lived in Germany. So it was a lot of like taking online stuff, connecting with people online, teaching myself anything and everything I could learn about how story is put together and how one cracks into the industry. I wrote a book, it was really bad. (laughs) Uh Oh, what was it about? Do you remember? Oh, yes, I remember. It was about a game designer. It was like a chiclet, but the heroine was a game designer. And first of all, I enjoy chiclet, but I'm not meant to write contemporary. I'm terrible at it, which I learned then. (laughs) And also, like, this was before being a geek was cool. So there's just (laughs) just not something that would ever have sold. Uh, And it was just bad, right? It was my first, like, actual book I wrote all the way to the end. Um... And yeah, I just recall like a really whiny heroine. It was bad, but I learned a lot. (laughs) And after I threw that out, I then wrote another book um, during NaNoWriMo actually of 2009. Yeah. And then that is ultimately what became my debut. Obviously there was a lot of work after that, but um, that, that was the book that eventually I sold. Is that the first book you queried? Yes. How was the query journey for you? I always feel like I have to preface this <laughs> because I got really lucky and I always want people to understand like how much luck is involved in this industry and how you can work really hard and have an amazing book, but if it isn't the right moment, it won't sell. <laughs> and meanwhile, someone can write a crappy book, but if it's the right moment, it will sell for a lot of money. It's not fair. Um, but when I, I was able to get an agent pretty quickly Um, and I had a really good query letter. I have a skill for query letters, which is a very useless skill because you only have to write a query letter once, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm really, really good at it. Um, and I, I happened to know I had spent a really long time researching, so I knew exactly which agents were looking for steampunk. I queried those people right first, got interest and managed to get an agent and sell my book pretty quickly. Of course, that book tanked (laughs) I feel the need to always add that too like I got really lucky in that I was able to get an agent because I had the right book at the right time that people thought steampunk was going to be a thing but then steampunk was not a thing and my first series sold horribly and went absolutely nowhere so you know it doesn't always even out what you think just because you have an easy time to start with doesn't mean it will stay easy and just because you have a hard time to start doesn't mean it will stay hard yeah so that must have been like really hard to deal with with your um your first book not doing as well as you'd hoped. How did you sort of deal with that um 
mentally and just I mean it's hard it's hard for everyone and I think Mm. I think it's a really important reminder that this industry is very hard and very few people actually manage to stay in it I don't say this to be disheartening but it's the reality and I think I think we aren't aware of that we're trying to crack in and then you get in and you realize that actually staying in is is even harder than getting in Mm. and and most people don't. Uh, very few people from my debut year still have a career. It's tragic, but it's true. And being able to pivot, being able to not get bitter, which is extremely hard, mm-hmm. uh, not blame your publisher, not blame anyone, not blame yourself. It's extremely, extremely hard to do. And I'm not going to lie, I was super bitter the first few years of my career and when I thought my career was over because I could not sell another book. I, no one wanted to touch me. I was radioactive. Um, and so, and that's normal. That is such a common thing. And so I was actually at a point where we were going to have to change my name, which happens all the time. You write under a new name because you're more likely to sell as a debut than you are as an author with a bad track record. So, Yeah. That's what happened. But then thanks to this newsletter, The Misfits and Daydreamers, um, I had developed a pretty solid online following. And so one publisher, one tiny little publisher called Tortine was willing to take a chance on me and my fantasy that they did not think would sell well. No one did because as another publisher told me when I was on submissions, it's far too complicated and not commercial. Thanks. Oh, gosh. Um, Well, they were wrong. So. But, and I believe that I was at least, even though I was desperate for money, I at least knew that was wrong. Like, maybe yeah. that wasn't the book I was going to sell then. If it didn't sell then, okay. But, like, I knew they were wrong that to try. Like, one publisher was like, if you got rid of three of the points of view and made it first person. So, basically making it single first person point of view instead of four points of view third person. They were like, then we'll be interested. But that is completely changing the novel. That is not what yeah. I'm trying to sell. So... I'm glad I stuck to my guns because um, obviously, <laughs> very lucky things went differently than they could have. As a fan of, of um, the Witchland series, like, I don't think I could ever imagine it as not as complicated as it is because, like, it's such a rich world and, like, the characters, the way the characters develop is fed so intricately by the world that, like, I just can't imagine it. I'm so happy that you stuck to your guns. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. She was right. Um, What I I was going to ask was, um, when did you get the idea to start the newsletter? Because I know that you had sort of like been blogging and doing stuff for way longer than, um, than, you know, your, your Witchland series was out. Like you started it before that, correct? Yeah, I started, like, blogging as soon as I was like, I'm going to become a writer. And I thought it was so original, blogging about writing. I had no idea that everybody else did that. Uh, back in 2000, I guess it would have been 2009 when I started my blog. So 10 years ago. Um, and, yeah, I really didn't know what I was doing. I mean, I blogged about other things. Like, I lived in Germany so I blogged about that, being an American abroad, and also I blogged about, like, I had this new puppy who was an Irish setter who was a handful, so I blogged about raising a puppy when you have no idea what you're doing. Um, 
But I did talk a lot about writing, and the only person who ever read my blog was my mom. And oh. sometimes she would leave comments, and she would label it mom. <laughs> so, really embarrassing. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> I had to be like, mom, please don't do that. So, uh, yeah, but I just, like, I don't know. I just stubbornly kept blogging, and eventually people and like I was active on Twitter I was trying to connect to people back when Twitter was very different than it is today and um I yeah just eventually started to get people who actually came to my page for for advice and I wasn't like I really knew what I was doing but I have a knack for breaking down difficult concepts into ways that people can understand and I think that 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 just connected with people and I think it still does um then once I did start to have success, I was really honest about what happens behind the scenes. And I understand why that's not common, but for someone who's trying to crack in, it's like all you want. You just want the reality. Please, someone tell me the secrets. I want to see behind yeah. the curtain. Um, yeah. That's so, so funny. We were just, we were actually just talking about that in the intro and me and Kat always joke about being like witches because we can (laughs) we always seem to talk about whatever comes up in the interview it's the weirdest thing and we were talking about how we we really really appreciate the fact that um you are so transparent because there's a lot of things that you just don't know and I feel like authors are afraid to talk about a lot of things because they don't know like what they're gonna get in trouble for or like what people are gonna like side eye them about so when you put stuff out there for newer authors it's it's great because we want to know those things it's true it's true and like I also think some people just and I totally understand this there is a definite vulnerability involved like being willing to share my advance numbers I understand why most people don't want to do that um or even just talking about how hard it is behind the scenes um a lot of people want to give the illusion that it's easy and I get that I do (laughs) um I'm not that person I'm probably too transparent but my publisher also knows that the newsletter is the source of my success so they do not interfere um I'm sure they roll their eyes sometimes and are like Sus. but (laughs) (laughs) they're cool with it I I will say like honestly um it's really interesting that you you're talking about your humble beginnings with like your mom leading leaving you comments because um Clarabelle and I are part of this like really big um critique group of whom you know a few people I believe Yes. Oh, yes. Um, yes. And it's really funny because we literally would not have met if people hadn't met on in the comments section of your blog. And I, I think it's really cool to hear that you did have a beginning where like literally one person was commenting <laughs> on your post because at this point, your blogs and your newsletters are a rallying place for a lot of writers to create community around and mm. um and it didn't come out of nowhere and so like it's no. just nice to yeah I, I actually I, I I actually like I get that a lot like people will be like oh my god how can I replicate what you did and I'm like uh you need a time machine because <laughs> it required me being stubborn like I just stubbornly was consistent about putting out content And then people eventually came. And if you're not consistent, then people don't stick around. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to come back. They see you haven't updated since, you know, 2016. They're not going to come back. And so I think that's one of the things, like, I have become less and less uh, frequent in my content 
providing, uh, but I'm still consistent about when I do it. And so, so people know they can rely. And yeah, I think that's really the key. And if you're not up for it, that's fine. So many people feel like they have to, you know, have a newsletter, they have to be on Facebook and you really don't like no one wants to be on there. If you hate it, like no one's going to want to hang out with you. So it's like, what's natural to you. And if that means no social media, that's cool. Like, yeah. Yeah, Saint absolutely. Colin, online. Does anyone <laughs> notice? I mean. Yeah, and she still managed to make us all freak out with the news of the of more Hunger so, Games books. Yeah, <laughs> oh I mean, my gosh. just yeah. where your priorities are. Well, okay, actually, because you just mentioned the whole idea of like, don't do it if you don't like it. I think. Um, I see that sometimes you are doing something completely new, experimenting, or just like something using a platform in a way that I've never seen it used before, which I, I love, like as like a fan and also as like a fellow like writer looking at your amazing like platforms. So like, especially like the, the, um, Clarabelle and I were talking about it earlier, the choose your own adventure story, the luminaries. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I'm like wondering like, what's, how does how does your thought process come when it comes to these things? Is it like you have the idea and you let it ruminate to see if you think it'll be actually worthwhile, or you're like, no, no this is fine, I'm just gonna do it. Yeah, the more the latter. Oh, <laughs> I'm just gonna see what happens. My agent, my agent is so sick of this. <laughs> this has been like a, a ten years of this. We've been partners for ten years, and she's just like, oh my god, Susan, why don't you ever think things through before you do them? <laughs> I'm like, I, I should, I should. I am an adult. I'm like a legitimate adult. I'm 35. I cannot pretend that my prefrontal cortex is not developed. It is. So, um, no, I just try things. Like I will say, like I was one of the first traditionally published authors to have a newsletter, especially one that talked about writing advice. And now literally everyone does it, which is great. More content, the more people can learn, but like, it definitely wasn't a thing. I just thought I would give it a try (laughs) and it worked. It was actually great for me. It was pivotal in, in helping my career stay as Susan Dennard. Um, and with the luminaries, I was literally bored at the airport and I was like, let's just try this. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a story that you actually had written. Did you write all of that book before? Yeah. Or I wasn't sure if you had like just the idea of for it. I wrote a proposal. So I, okay. There is something substantial and there is a fully outlined book because we were trying after my first series tanked, uh, we were trying to sell other things. And this was one of those things that got rejected, <laughs> uh, and which is fine. Uh, I mean, at the time it sucked, but in hindsight, I get it. At that time in 2013, urban fantasy was totally dead. Mm. No one wanted anything to do with paranormal. And it also has, has some like post-apocalyptic tones. So they really just were like, Mm-mm, that's all dead now. Yeah. So, um, so no one wanted it. <laughs> fine. And my sales were like so bad that I was toxic so I get it um but it's cool because like now well my agent was like oh my god why did you do this it would have been so much better if we had a book that was about to be published and then you did this but whatever people are having fun I'm having fun and you never know what will come out of that I just I have this firm belief that like if you're able to give to the world and it doesn't you know negatively impact you then the world will give back 
Also, if publishers were, were smart, they would be reaching out to you right now because obviously there is an audience for this book. I've been obsessed with the Luminaries <laughs> thread since it started. I am one of what, what's the team um, practical? Uh, uh, I'm team practical. Yeah. Are you team practical? <laughs> yeah. Yes. I feel like a mother. I'm always yelling at everybody. I'm like, what are you guys doing? And everyone else is like, YOLO! YOLO! <laughs> Just I, oh, Jay! Oh, Jay! Well, I mean, I will say, like, I will say, because I can't say anything specific, but there are opportunities that have actually come out of this, which are great, and would not have happened if I hadn't decided to do something for free and for fun, if that, that makes sense. That makes me yeah. very happy. I'm really excited about it. I super love it. Um, so for anyone who's listening and doesn't know what the Luminaries is, yeah. <laughs> Susan started a sort of, um, uh, like, a, I don't want to say it's a choose your own adventure because that's like a, a actual thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, but it is a sort <laughs> of like a threaded book almost where you get to choose what happens next to her characters. Um, and then that outcomes determines sort of the next thing that happens and so on and so forth. And it's been going on for a couple weeks now and it's super, okay. super fun. It's like a month. A, a month, month and a half. It's, a yeah. month and a half? Oh it's been like 46 <laughs> days. I know. Where did time go? And like in the actual world, it's been like three hours. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's like kind of hilarious. Sounds like but, writing a book. <laughs> uh, yeah, but seriously though. So um, it's fun. I update it once a day, every 24 hours. Sometimes like, like over the holidays, if I have more time, I'll do it twice a day. Like, And if there's a really clear winner in the poll, um, but, like, I also can't be all in with it right now because, obviously, I have books due and my publisher would side-eye that a little too hard. So right. I, I am a responsible adult, mostly, sort of. So <laughs> so that's, like, the fun thing I do yeah, in the morning and then back to the back to the contracted stuff that pays me. Gotcha. Um, I wanted to ask, and you might not have a concrete answer for this, but um, how did you keep yourself motivated um, after your first series didn't do well and you were sort of like trying to sell a bunch of stuff and um, you kept getting rejected? Um, how did you keep your spirits up? How did you keep writing? Not easily. I mean, writing the last book in a series when you know nobody's going to read it is really hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Making yourself care to finish that book because when you know, like, literally five people will read it, it's extremely difficult. Um, but it was due, and I got it done. Uh, and I'm actually really, really proud of that book and that series. Um, it's different from The Witchlands, very, very different, but it's still something I'm really proud of. Um, so... I guess after I finally finished that and I was like, okay, now we have to sell something else or I have to figure something else. I like went real hard into the indie pub world. I was thinking that's where I would go um, because I was tired of not having control. And you guys know, like there's just no control in this industry. You write the book. That's literally all you can control is the book. And so, and then once that's done, it's out of your hands. You can't make readers read it. You can't make publishers buy it. You can't make your publisher put money into it promoting. It's, it's so hard to, to watch that. Um, and even the authors do have all of the publishing support. I mean, they still lose their minds over that lack of control. It's just, it is no matter where you are on the spectrum, I think it's difficult. Um, 
but yeah, I, I mean, looking back, I think I was really fixated on indie self pub and I, so doing like I did with traditional pub, I threw myself into learning everything I could about that. Um, I started teaching myself like primitive game design, which I'm now a lot more advanced, but back then I was really a beginner, like in case that was where I needed to go. Um, and of course science was always an option if I had to, like I, I had been out of it too long to get like a good job, but I could be a lab flunky if I needed to pay more money to pay the bills. Um, but yeah, I honestly don't know. It was a dark period. I'm not going to lie. Like it, it was a hard time in my life. Um, I think it's impossible to separate ourselves from our, from our books. They are a part of us. And, um, when the world doesn't seem to want them, that's extremely difficult. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's just no getting around that. Um, and it, and I, I was in the added difficult position of having all of my friends had extreme success. So, um, I really was wondering like what was wrong with me, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. all, every one of my friends became a bestseller in their first or second book. And meanwhile, I was barely hanging on. Uh, and so, yeah, it is, it definitely makes you wonder like, what are you doing wrong? And the answer is nothing. There was nothing I was doing wrong. Nothing anyone's doing wrong. It's just that ineffable luck that comes into play in this world, traditional or indie. You cannot make anyone read your book. You just can't. It's a luck thing. That's a struggle. And one that I can identify with in certain ways that I can't really talk about, <laughs> but um, it, it is helpful to hear that, like, an author that I admire and that is, you know, a bestseller now sort of went through these things because I think Kat can sort of, like, be a witness to this. I am also very stubborn. Yeah. And <laughs> yes, I am witness. <laughs> I am um, very, very stubborn when it comes to my writing and my book, like, like everyone can tell me like this is not good and I'll be like you're wrong like you're wrong about this and yeah. one day you will learn <laughs> and that's um, good though I, yeah. I think you have to have that yeah if you want to stay in this industry because yeah. otherwise you won't stay and that's mm-hmm. fine I have some wonderful friends I made my debut year who left and that's okay mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. That is okay. One of them went back to law. Good for her. She's making a lot more money. Um, another one, he ended up just going back into the gas station industry where he worked, i.e. he literally worked at a gas station, and that's fine. That's absolutely okay. Like, it is a hard industry, and it's not always something that you love enough to stay with. You know? Like, it's cool. You managed to write a book. Maybe you managed to sell it. And then you got into it and you were like, yeah, this isn't for me. Like me with science. Like, yeah, I love science. But like, you know what? All this peripheral bullshit is not for me. So I'm out. I hope it's okay that I cussed. Oh, yeah. Cursing is allowed. Yeah. Cursing is allowed on this podcast for sure. Mm -hmm. Actually, you know, that's so funny. This is another psychic moment because we were literally just saying um, before we called you about how like if someone's dream is to become – to become an instant bestseller and like live, live high off royalties immediately, then just don't become a writer because that's just not, (laughs) that's just not what the story is for most of us. So, Um, and even when you're like, even when you have the label of a New York times bestseller, like I do, like, it's not, 
what people think. It's not like I'm suddenly rolling in the money. Oh, yeah. I went and bought a Porsche. Like, no. My life is literally exactly the same. I'm just very fortunate to have that label. But it doesn't it doesn't mean what people think it means. Um, and I totally went in with false expectations. I had totally false expectations of what was going to happen once I sold a book. You know, it it's it's just the curtain. No one looks behind. No one is allowed to see behind. So you just don't know what's coming until you're there. I'm curious about if anything um, else happened with something strange and deadly serious. Did was that reissued? Um, it was. Was okay. after the Witchlands did well, um, Harper Collins redesigned them because the covers were pretty, but they were always extremely misleading. Um, okay. They, they the first series covers they suggested a paranormal romance, which it is not, and <laughs> so I I would get a lot of angry people like, oh my god, he dumps her. What? Spoiler alert. So like like I. You know, it just, it was the time of selection. So every cover got a, especially from Collins, got a cover like the selection. Mm. Um, and, and that just, for a book that is like a her- historical, paranormal, steampunk adventure, it just didn't, it didn't portray it correctly at all. Uh, so they did, they repackaged them. I love the new covers. They're, I think, a lot better. Um, and they reach better maybe across to boy readers, which okay. it's, it does really well with like 12 and 13 year old readers. But when I say really well, I mean, it, it does better with them than maybe other ages who actually pick this book up of the like, you know, 300 people in the world. So yes, it's, it's really good for like younger teens. And I think, um, and boys, despite what people think do read and they don't actually care that much about what they're reading but they aren't going to necessarily pick up a pink book with a girl in a dress. Whereas <laughs> if there's a cover with a girl and some zombies, mm, okay, maybe. Well, I liked what you were saying, like, you have to you have to do this job because you love it. But uh, one of the things, like, that I'm, like, newly discovering, um, just because my book only just came out, like, literally, like, a month ago, um, is that with each new step, there are new experiences but yeah. I can't, I can't tell like what something that's like to be expected, like AKA like, Oh, every time a book comes out, this will totally happen. Um, so I'm trying to collect that list of like, these are the things that I love about this job without being like, Oh, I love this thing. Oh wait, this is not normal. And yeah. now that's what I'm expecting to have happen all the time. So do you have anything like tried and true where you're like, well, I know that I can always come back to this. I can always depend on this experience that you always look forward to like with your writing in your books I mean here's the thing right like the only thing you can count on is the actual story and the writing you like I love meeting readers it's probably my favorite part of the job but like back in the day I didn't have readers so when I went to an event no one was there to see me it didn't matter that I love meeting people so even that, which seems like a given, isn't a given if you're not a popular author. Mm. Um, and so I honestly, you know, I love uh, touring. It's really hard, but like I certainly didn't get to tour for my first series, you know, like mm-hmm. that any events I did were paid for out of my pocket. Um, I still pay for a lot of my own events. And 
I just don't think there's anything that's always going to be consistent in this industry except the actual fact that you need to enjoy writing. And it's yeah. hard to do. It's really hard to enjoy writing once you've crossed into that published state. Um, and it's hard to explain to people who are aspiring because it is not something you can understand until you're on the other side. And, and that can be really hard for aspiring authors because to them, and I totally get this because I was the same, I was there. It's like, shut up, you have a book deal. Um, but the reality is, is that once you have that book deal, things change and your relationship with your writing changes and your relationship with other people changes. And it's hard. It's just, it's hard and it's not, it takes a really long time, I think, to find your footing and, and re, regain a Zen place, if ever. <laughs> I sound so dark. I'm sorry. I swear to God, no, I love my job. That's, <laughs> no, honestly, that's what the podcast is about. Like, it's yeah. Claire it is started this podcast to drag me. That's yeah, hard. literally. I did because <laughs> because Kat was um, consistently dark about her sub experience and kept saying it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And she's like, it's been five months. It's been six months. It's not going to sell. And I was like, I swear to God, I know that there are people who have been on sub for longer and have oh sold God, their yeah. book. And I was so thinking like five months, that's nothing. What? So I, I, <laughs> I literally nothing. started, I literally started this podcast to prove to Kat that she was wrong about <laughs> sub. Um, because I wanted people to see that the journey to, to getting your book published and being a successful author is really hard and a lot harder than what people think it is. Um, so, so it, it, you can be as dark as you want. <laughs> that is what we want. We want people to see the, like the, the truth, because even if you feel like you're being dark, I feel like people who are listening to it and are feeling really down in the dumps are going to feel better because they're going to feel like they're not alone and they're going to feel like it's normal to be discouraged sometimes and to feel like things are not going to go well because of whatever. And hearing yeah. like an author like you say like, hey, I've been there. It's really hard. It's actually it's it gives it gives me hope and I'm sure it gives other people hope as well. So don't say sorry. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Never say sorry for your darkness. <laughs> Never. We like, we like it here. We like um, it. I, I was actually gonna. Say, I um. I was actually gonna ask you about something, and and you know, feel free, honestly, to say like, oh, I don't really want to talk about that because it is a sensitive topic. Um, but what I really like, you've been in the industry for a very long time. The industry has changed. Like the way we discuss some. Things in this industry has definitely changed and you've come out at some points and said things like I made a mistake here or like I if I could go back and like you know rethink this creative decision then I would and you've been really candid about it and really open about it and I think I would like to think that like all of your um, readers and supporters like really appreciate that um, and I know for myself like I think it's really important to see established authors come out and talk about like I didn't think about like the cultural ramifications of this when I made this like word choice. Um, right. But I'm going to be better in the future because you are you are giving an example to new writers coming up behind you. And I'm just wondering like how you feel about like um, your process of self education, your process of like being a part of these conversations um, when you decide like it's time to speak up and when you decide it's time to just listen. Um, how has that gone over the past, like say four years? I would say 99.9% .9 it is my job to listen <laughs> um, because I don't 
think you could possibly learn and educate yourself. Otherwise, I think the discourse happening on Twitter was so important for me learning. Um, and yeah, there are so many things that I would go back and change in my first series. Uh, and in truth, which, and luckily like I have a great publisher and they're willing to make changes. So like future printings of things will be different, which is awesome. Um, uh, at least for Truth Witch, but and Wind Witch, but like at the same time, like there's still lots of copies out there that are in circulation that got some language wrong, and I'm really ashamed of that. Um, so I I feel like the most important thing I can do, knowing what I know now, is to be open about that, so that one people know, people who are hurt by language that I have included know that I'm sorry, and I and are aware that I know I got it wrong, I fucked up. Um, and I have since learned and will do better. Um, and, and yeah, <laughs> I'm really lucky in that people usually when they let me know, if it's something I haven't already figured out that I fucked up, uh, people are very gentle. They send me wonderful messages and emails and, you know, Basically, you're like, hey, you did this. And I'm like, oh, shit. I will get that fixed as soon as I can. And all, all the ebooks have been updated. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Torte. Um, <laughs> so at least that's something, you know? Like, it is nice that I can look in my phone and see that it's been fixed. But it sucks. It, like, it is so shitty that, the, that there are copies out there that got it wrong. And I hate that I was so ignorant. Um, yeah. God, I, I, that is... One of my biggest regrets, if not the biggest, um, was that I, it took me so long to learn this stuff and that I'm still, I mean, I'm still learning so much. Um, I think all of us are still learning though. Nobody yeah, is, is. <laughs> nobody is born knowing these things or it, it takes time. Like all of us can always do better. So I think that what you're doing in terms of listening and changing the things that you can change and doing better going forward with certain things is like the, the only thing that anybody as an author or human being can do. We don't have time machines. So, um, I think you should like beat yourself up over it too much either because, we're allowed to make mistakes. <laughs> We're Thank allowed you. to. Well, I appreciate that. But then, I mean, it is also like not do, I don't know. I, I guess it's the symptom of that is some privilege happening. If I don't feel sufficient shame for this, you know, I, right. I don't know how to articulate what I'm trying to say, but I, I guess I don't want to get off scotch free. I, I, I know I messed up and I want to do better and I deserve, deserve any sort of, you know, hurt if I hurt people I deserve their anger and I've actually been so 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 extremely lucky that people have been very kind and generous and teaching me yeah instead of coming at me in a rightful place of anger so yeah yeah um I think you handle it really well personally so th there's a lot of people who are like I can't hear you <laughs> <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> I don't uh, care. Yeah. It's haters. I, it's I just haters. <laughs> yeah, um. I, I think I, I think it, there are people who legitimately um, like are like, oh, I don't want to bother my publisher, or like they're in their in their desire not to be not to be like creating waves like with their publisher or their editor or something. They're not even going to try to ask to change it, and I mm. think that. I think there at least the trying goes goes a little bit, you know, to know that someone 
really wanted to fix something and then if it you know if the publisher has a policy then that's on the publisher and then we can call it the publisher but yeah on a person on a on an individual person basis it's the trying I think that matters the most yeah well I've been really lucky like Tortine has been really great about being like yep we will get that change now so it it sucks when there are like lots of copies that still have to be sold that will be wrong (laughs) but future printings things will be better as bet yeah as best as I can make them and there will still be more I can do that's a mood I mean (laughs) who does not feel that way sometimes there's still time for me to ruin everything that's I feel that way constantly (laughs) Um, um, really um that actually reminds me of this is very off topic, but it just reminds me of this this party I was in in high school, and there was this guy there who was like kind of a nerd, and he was really weird, but he was like doing better at the party. We were friends, and I was like, "You're doing really well at this party. Like, you're not being a weirdo." And he's like, "There's still time." <laughs> like, that is so relatable. Um, um, so. Everyone who is on the podcast, we ask them either something that they wish they'd known before they sort of got into publishing or their most um, publishing-related embarrassing moment. So it's up to you what you want to share. You can do both. Yeah, yeah you can do both. I, I, kinda, I couldn't think of, like, an embarrassing moment. Um, I mean, I feel like I constantly make an ass of myself, so <laughs> I am literally always embarrassed. I also blush really easily, so it's really obvious. Oh, no. Um, but I, it, there are so many mistakes that I have made. Um, and I think one of the most important, I mean, we've talked about the bitterness, um, not blaming your publisher. That would be maybe the most important one I could say is, like, learn, like the biggest mistake I made was blaming my publisher for things when it's, mm. it's really not their fault. It is a business. Um but on top of that, I think it's really important for aspiring authors and debuts, especially, to realize like how small this industry is. Uh, everyone knows everyone; everything gets around, and so there's, and it's like a game of telephone. So like maybe what someone did gets spread around, and by the time it gets back to that person, they're like, "That's not true," but it doesn't matter. So I just always tell people like, you know. Be nice. I know you guys are, but there are some people who really aren't, you know, mm-hmm. you come into this industry, maybe you get thrown a lot of money and you think you're the shit and you treat people like that. And I, mm-hmm. I saw it a lot my debut year and, um, and I still see it. And it's just one of those things that like, it's a small industry and you do that and everyone will know. <laughs> and then the other way around too, if you're nice and generous and you're grateful that spreads around too. Everyone will know. So just keep in mind, I think it's easy to forget how small it actually is. That is very amazing advice. And I can think of a few people who really need to hear it and probably never will listen. Um, (laughs) We're not cool enough for them to listen to our podcast. No, they're like, what's that? (laughs) Um, no, yeah, Clarabelle says all the time, she says kindness is free. It yeah. costs nothing to be kind. It really it really costs nothing it's to true. be kind. It's true. It's true. It's um, true. So is there anything that you're working on now that you can share with us, or is everything top secret? Well, I'm working on the next Witchlands book. Um, mm-hmm. So 
I'm pulling my hair out as I always do. <laughs> like, why did I make this so complicated? <laughs> I that publisher said I cut all the points of view. So, I, yeah, I'm in that phase of like, oh my God, how did my one brain come up with all this stuff and how am I ever going to figure it all out? It's because you're a genius. So, so I will. It's always just a matter of patience, I find. Like, I just have to continue to patiently work away at it every day until eventually all this jumbled ideas and threads start to coalesce into something that makes sense and works on the page. <sighs> Don't write epic fantasy, y'all. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think I could even if I tried to be honest I would be so bad at it I'm like this is too hard my brain (laughs) definitely Um, didn't know what I was getting to it's what I always read growing up you know and like I just thought like that's what I love that's what I'll do and then it's like oh my god adult fantasy (laughs) authors get like 10 years between each book George R.R. Martin (laughs) (laughs) why yeah like why they're like a book a year a book a year and I mean, I actually wrote Truth, which is adult, which is maybe part of the problem. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, it sold as YA, so here we are. Here we are. But that's um, the thing, though. What I, I really love about Truth, which is the fact that it doesn't treat us, the readers, as, like, idiots that can't hold, like, a, yeah. like all the details in, in – like, we can, like, like the the – like, I mean, and I'm obviously an adult reader, but, like, teens, too. Like, when I – was a teen i was reading epic fantasy yeah, so exactly. like like teen readers aren't dumb like no, like i know epic I had, fantasy should be available i like that's probably the number one complaint i get about the book is that it is too complicated and i'm like that's fine this just wasn't for you yeah i'm not i'm not here to hold your hand like i'm just <laughs> that's not what i enjoy and that's not what i'm gonna do um so uh Suze, where can people follow you online if they want to read your tweets or your newsletter where can they find you so SusanDennard.com is where, you know, you can find all the stuff, the newsletter, which is free, um, and all the backlog of my, not all the backlog, but like all of my old blog posts, of which there are many, and then um, newsletter you can sign up for on there as well. Is my dog barking? I'm sorry. I no, that's that. fine. It's that's fine. He, 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 he wants to be on the podcast, too. It's yeah, okay. That's, that's it, sure. <laughs> or, or it's just somebody walking by the house or whatever. Um, and then my Twitter handle, my Instagram, everything is stdenard, or as people say, St. Denard. <laughs> so, yes. St. Denard, stdenard. <laughs> well... Thank you, St. Denard, for being on the podcast. You're so welcome. For gracing us with the I've, I've blessed the Ride or Die podcast this week. I know. Thanks for listening to Write or Die. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. And leave a review. Also, get yourself a copy of Ghost Squad by Claribel A. Ortega. And pick up Wicked Fox by Cat Cho. See you, See you next, next time, Wordies. Wordies.